Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Beautiful people. Happy, happy Sunday. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. And it's one of those great Sundays, raining a little bit here in New York City, but you know, not too bad, not too bad. Before we bring on this amazing guest that we have here, we got to catch up. So over the last week, you know, a lot of things have happened. Uh, Number one, uh, my young men's leadership program that I run out of Queens, New York, uh, at a school, QSI, um, my guys, they're actually preparing to do their presentations. And their presentations are basically covering their uh, what they want to be when they grow up. I call it style book, which is all about your lifestyle profile. And so my guys, they, we've done a series of backwards planning over the course of the year where they've got the opportunity to identify what it is that will be success for them. Also to identify what they feel um, they, they want out of life, but also their careers. And then they have to find a career role model and also talk about and research the steps that they need to take right now in order to become that person like their career role model and ultimately get to their levels of success. So they're actually going to do their presentations tomorrow. So I'm really excited. They're going to be dressed up, going to help them tie their ties and things like that. And we're going to really uh, rock and roll tomorrow. So excited about that. It's been a, a long time coming. And for their final project, they're actually going to, I'm going to teach them how to plan a trip abroad from A to Z. So really, really happy about that. Um, also this week, I took some advice from a friend and went to a law clinic. Uh, New York has a Monday night law clinic. So if you're here, definitely take advantage of that free resource. And it's one of those things where you get to go in and actually talk to lawyers and they can answer any questions that you want for free. And so had the opportunity to do that, came away with some great information about trademarking. And, you know, the the big thing about that is, is just being open to uh, to advice from your friends and also going in there prepared. I went in there and talked to them. I had researched the trademark classes that I needed for this particular trademark and other things. And I'd also, I filed my first trademark and got my first trademark when I was 20 years old. So I definitely knew what I was talking about, but the, I would call it a higher level conversation that I got to have with the attorney because I knew what I was talking about and I knew what I wanted. And so that was very productive and actually just set us up for a week to be on fire uh, as far as the Create Your Life series uh, team goals. And so, you know, we're all here in the studio, very happy and uh, humbled to be here. And then also uh, had the opportunity to look into some outsourcing. So, you know, definitely expanding the team and making things better and, uh, you know, just building and building and building. And, you know, when you talk about building, I think that it's important to understand your limits and then push past them and ultimately uh, create your life and make yourself the best that you can be. And I think that one of the monuments of uh, becoming the best that you can be, especially uh, depending on what you're doing. So, you know, if you're doing something like playing sports, then that would be to become a champion. And uh, we actually have a champion here in the studio with us, uh, Mr. Chris Canty. Uh, who, what, up, what, up, what up? What up? Yeah. Chris, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. 
What's up, Create Your Life family? Chris Cannon in the building. And uh, before we get started, Kev, I just yeah. got to, uh, first of all, being on with the good brother of Kappa Alpha Psi, I got to give you Yo, a shout-out. Yo, to the news. shout-out. And, um, you know, really it's an honor and a privilege to be a guest on the Create Your Life series. Um, I'm a fan of your work, um, inspiring people to find their purpose yeah. and move closer toward their purpose because ultimately that's where fulfillment lies. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to have this Create Your Life series to to really push people to do that, right? To examine your life, to be able to self-examine, uh, to be self-aware, understand where you are, and then develop a plan to get you closer to your purpose. Yeah. You know no. I mean? that's, that, that's ultimately where you're going to be happiest. Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you, it's funny that you say that because over the course of my life, and I'm pretty sure you experienced this too, is that when you try to do something that's not necessarily in alignment with what it is that you want to do or who you are, it never ends up good, man. Yeah. <laughs> I've always all, had that backfire on me. It's all bad, man. And, and um, I'm a child of, I'm a PK, I'm a pastor's, pastor's kid. And, okay. um, you know, it's funny. My mom always jokes about God being a Methodist because, you know, if you don't learn the lesson that he's trying to teach you mm-hmm. in, that, in that time and space, yeah. he just brings you back to another point where he can try to teach you the same lesson. So you can never graduate. You can never elevate until you learn what it is that you have to learn. And then ultimately, he'll bring the next challenge in you so you can continue to grow. But if you don't learn that lesson, you're always going to go back to square one. So right. ultimately, you have to learn your lessons and you have to be able to grow. You have to be able to evolve um, because that's what life is all about. It's a journey. It's not a destination. Yeah. Nah, and it, that brings me to a quote that I heard before uh, that I always live by. Uh, change is constant, yep. but growth is optional. True story. Right? So True story. the things are always going to be changing around you, but it's that growth, man, and that that choice to do so that really makes a difference and uh, takes you new places in your life. Now, uh, when we first came in, I was talking about, you know, being a champion and moving to another level, man. Well, how does it feel to be from New York, you're a New York native, yep. and you won a Super Bowl with the New York Giants. How's that feel? Like, it's a damn good feeling, man. I can't even lie to you. Um, you know, when uh, we won our Super Bowl, Super Bowl 46 in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and when the confetti started falling and we realized that we beat the Patriots, it almost felt like like a dream, like it was surreal. It didn't hit me. Um, and then a couple days go by, and we have the parade in New York City on that Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just being on a float, and going down the Canyon of Champions, which leads to City Hall, where the mayor's going to give you a key to the city. But just being on that float and watching all the people in the parade, streets, line, wall-to-wall people just celebrating, people in office buildings throwing out ticker tape. And it's, it's a sea of people. I mean, you're talking about three million people out there to celebrate an achievement that you had. And I get to experience this in my hometown. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't have scripted it any better. And it all, it all just confirms or reaffirms the fact that there's there's a grand design to everything and that, that God is in charge. And, and certainly I try to keep him at the forefront of my life. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, obviously, right. um, certainly fall short. But ultimately, I try to seek his will. And when I do that and I focus on that, usually good things happen. Okay. So, man, take us back to being from New York. You're from Baychester, right? Parkchester. 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 Okay, Parkchester. my bad, my Parkchester. bad. Parkchester. I was born in Parkchester. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I uh, grew up in Co-op City. Okay. So for those that know Co-op City, Bay Plaza, I was there before Bay Plaza even existed. Wow. But, okay. um, you know, grew up in the Dinkins era in New York City. Um, it was an interesting time back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, uh, I'm one of three kids. I've got two older brothers. And uh, they're a big part of why I ended up being a tough football player. Because, <laughs> I can imagine. Because, as you can imagine, things roll downhill. And when you're the smallest person in the house it can be a little tough. You know, my brother's chores ultimately became my chores. And so <laughs> I had to either toughen up or 
I was going to be a long, 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 long time growing up. So yeah, it was a great experience. Obviously, I'm a product of all of the experiences that I had as a kid being in this city. Um, you know, a two-parent household wasn't necessarily, um, you know, weren't poor, weren't rich, um, mm-hmm. very middle of the road. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was a turbulent household at times. Right. Um, and that's not what you expect when you have you know, a government health worker as a father. That was his, his, his job. That was his occupation. And then my mother, obviously, a United Methodist pastor. So you wouldn't expect that. Um, but it was. And um, things weren't necessarily easy. Um, but I think it's those trials, that adversity, um, which created the mentality of um, continuing to push forward, continuing to move forward, um, mm-hmm. no matter what you're faced with, no matter what you're dealing with. Um, you know, try to move forward and, and being able to control what you can control, which is your attitude with every situation. And right. so if you try to be positive, if you try to put positive energy out there, um, you can move past those things. My biggest question when I find out that uh, you're a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? How do you, 6'8"? 6'8". 6'8", what, 3? 300 and something. 300 and some change. Yeah, we're going to leave that at that. Anonymous. Are you the biggest of your siblings? I am the biggest of my siblings, but uh, I've got two brothers, one 6'4", 250, and the other one 6'5", 280. Right, so we're not, we're not small. But my mom is six foot, you know, and my dad is 6'6", six, six, so what do you expect? <laughs> you know. So how did you learn to get this positively? Because I know as a big brother, you know, I definitely, you know, put the smack down on my siblings sometimes. So mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you get, how did you get this positive attitude? And I'm sure that led into the work ethic as well. So, Well, I mean, you know, you, you have a choice in life, right? You're either going to be positive or you're going to be negative. Yeah. And being negative just drains you. I mean, when, when you're around negative people, they suck the air out of a room, right? They suck yeah. the energy out of a room. Gotta protect but when you're, around, when you're around positive people, it's just infectious, right? And mm-hmm. it's, it's even people with positive feelings, everything feels good. Um, even even if you got things going on, right? Even mm-hmm. if everything is not status quo, even if everything is not okay, um, you know, still with that positive energy, you feel good about the prospects. You feel good about um, the potential of any situation or any challenge or any, you know, trial that you're going through. You mm-hmm. know, you feel like you're going to be able to get to the other side of that. And so, you know, you have a choice. And I always chose to maintain a positive attitude because ultimately that was going to lead to the best results. If you have a negative attitude about a bad situation – you know, how are you going to get to the positive result of that? Absolutely. You know I mean? So it's, you're not going to get there. So, mm. um, you know, from an early age, I realized that I got to be able to control what I can control. And that's that's my attitude. Um, that's my mentality when I meet any particular situation, good or bad. Mm. You moved down to North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. My family moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. Right. After I graduated from middle school. Yeah. Um, what was that transition like? It was um, it wasn't as hard as as some might think, because when I was a kid, you know, growing up in the city, my parents made sure that we weren't in the city uh, when school let out. You know, they didn't want us running around New York City with nothing to do all day during the summer while they were at work. So they would ship us down to the south to South Carolina, to Utahville, South Carolina, to my maternal grandparents house. And and that's where we spent our summers. Utahville, Utahville with an E, not a U. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that, that's new. I never heard of that. So, what is what, yeah. were, you, what were you doing during the summers down there? Um, you know what? I had a lot of cousins. Uh, my mother is one of twelve children, wow. and so you know most of most of my aunts and uncles lived in the area. So, mm-hmm. my cousins would be around, and you know, just run around, play outside. Sports was always a fabric of our family. So, you know, mm-hmm. we'd always be involved. You know, playing whatever sport—basketball, football. You know, you name it, stickball, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. We, you know, whatever we wanted to do for the day, we had to entertain ourselves. So, um, but you know, that's what you do. 
and and that kind of built that that competitive side of me. That's what I was going to ask you. When did you? At what age did you start? Did you pick up the football and and decide? You know, this is what I want to do. <laughs> well, you know, the football came later. Um, you know, in terms of being able to play organized football, um, it's actually a pretty funny story. I was a junior in high school, or going into my junior mm-hmm. year in high school, and, um, you know, I'd always played basketball and baseball, you know, growing yeah. up in New York City. You know, that's what you do, basketball and baseball, especially right. because I was taller for my for my class. So, you know, you're a tall black kid in the Bronx, you play basketball. Absolutely. But I love baseball, too. And, um, you know, so those seasons, you know, I was always participating in team sports at the school. Um, but during football season, I'd kind of just be at home after school let out. You know, I didn't have a job or anything like that. And so one day my mom came home early from work, and uh, she, she saw me laying on the couch watching TV. And, um, you know, I guess she didn't like the fact that I didn't have any structure. Um, and it kind of hit her in that moment. And mm-hmm. so uh, she says to me, uh, son, you're going to get a job or you're going to play a sport. Uh, but you're not just going to come straight home after school. We're not doing this anymore. Right. And I said to myself, well, I mean, a job sounds like work. So uh, <laughs> let, me, let me try this uh, this football thing. At the time, Randy Moss was a a pretty prominent figure. You know, I was tall and slim. I thought I could go out there and be a wide receiver um, until I realized I couldn't catch. And so oh, wow. <laughs> so the coach okay. said, um, all right, son, well, we're going to try you on the defensive side of the ball. Started playing defensive end and rushing the passer, and, and the rest is history. I was able to turn two years of high school football into mm-hmm. a scholarship to the University of Virginia. So, um, you know, I, I never looked at it as um, an opportunity to get to – you know, play pro sports. Right. But I looked at it as an opportunity to pay for college. Sometimes we have, I mean, I, in my in my young men's group and when I'm speaking with different uh, kids, you know, they say, oh, I'm going to the league. Yeah. But they don't even play basketball. And they talk about <laughs> I'm going to the league. Or they don't, these kids, they're not even, you know, to me, you got to be up two, three hours. You should have ran five miles before you even got to school yeah. if you're really going to the league, especially if you're talking about basketball and, and football. I imagine, you True know, you having two and three a days. So what was your work ethic like in high school that got you to get on and be recruited by UVA? Well, it's it's, it's funny, but um, I guess everything that I've we need some I've details, done, brother. Yeah, everything that I've done, I didn't want to be halfway in. I didn't want to stick my toe in the water. I've always committed to things. Okay. Um, you know, because my, one of my high school coaches used to say this all the time, you know, if you quit now, you'll quit the rest of your life. And so I never wanted to quit on anything because I always looked at it as the easy way out. You know, I, and so I tried to develop a mentality where the way out was the way through. So whatever adversity that I was faced with, no matter how hard it might appear, no matter how bad I felt, you know, physically or mentally or spiritually, whatever it was, I was going to try to push past it because on the other side of that was something good. Right. And um, and so I think a lot of people, um, especially with today's athletes, don't focus on um, trying to go through all of the, 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 the challenging things. They look at the challenges and they shy away from from the challenge, but every challenge presents an opportunity. So you got to focus mm-hmm. on the opportunity side of it and focus on and trying to improve whatever skill set mm-hmm. that you're working on right. at the time, you know. And so... Um, I've always looked at it like that from an education standpoint and from an athletic standpoint. So, you know, when I got on the football field, you know, I I wanted to be the best. You know, again, we go back to that competitive attitude that I developed um, playing with my brothers and and playing with my cousins who were all older than me. So, um, you know, you always want to prove that you belong, right? You always have that that little bit of a chip, especially being a little brother. You want to prove that you belong. And so I always took that into organized sports. So – 
I want to know what that day to day is like in the high school. So were you getting up, working out before school started? Were you in the weight room before school started? Lunchroom? You know what I mean? Like what what was that looking like? I want that so that I can go and talk to my young men tomorrow and tell them, look, this is what this looks like if you're really trying to do it. I'm going to be honest with you. When I was going to high school, I would get up in the morning Mm -hmm. early to get to the school, but it wasn't to work out. It wasn't to get the weights. It wasn't to do extra conditioning. Mm -hmm. It was to meet with my math teachers. Okay. You know, so geometry, you know, every time they start saying, you know, that that whole triangle thing that, <laughs> right, right. And, you know, and theorems and angle, angle side and all that, that didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had some struggles with that. So I had to figure that out. So that meant I had to go and meet with my teacher as soon as she got to school. And that, that was about 45 minutes to an hour every morning um, to go over the homework from last night and to go through the lesson plans on a personal level before she actually taught it to our class during the school day. So that was the extra effort that was required in that subject, but just because it was something that was tough for me. And that took, you know, algebra was the same way. Right. When you start saying that letters equal numbers just didn't make sense to me. So <laughs> that I makes two of them, I <laughs> so, still don't got it. So, I mean, I had, to, I, had to go, I had to go into school an hour early to meet yeah. with my teacher, but that's ultimately what I had to do uh, in order to get better at it, in order to get to where I wanted to be, which is to qualify. Right to earn a scholarship, right? you know, because if you don't qualify, you can't earn a scholarship, especially to a school like the University of Virginia. And I'm glad that you say that because the importance, even in college, bro, you're a scholar athlete um, to the core, man. You won all ACC academic honors. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's dope because a lot of times, you know, it's all about, you know, the sport and people fail to realize, yo, some of these guys are like really, really smart. Like Carmelo Anthony's a math major. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. You know, people. Big ups to Carmelo Anthony. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. exactly. We talk about yeah. it. Man, I'm yeah. telling you, geometry was crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Uh, but He can count all that money he's made, huh? <laughs> right. And then some. Oftentimes, people just focus on the athletic aspect of things, yeah. man. And you know what? Speaking of math and speaking of geometry, I saw that ESPN. Uh, 30 for 30, where it seemed like all of the athletes, you know, a lot of the football players, they were focused on the uh, NFL. They lost their money or had yeah. mishandled it. Yeah. Uh, how did you avoid doing that? You know, because we're on a subject of math. How did you avoid doing that? And what are some tips that you would give to somebody who's, uh, you know, coming into new money or who's an athlete that, you know, might need some advice in well, order Kev, to avoid that? Well, Kev, I was really fortunate, man. Um, you know, my father, uh, you know, I always tell people my father's my hero. He's shown me in one lifetime how not to be a man and how to be a man and take care of your family. So, But one of the things that my father, um, one of the traits that he's always had was having good business sense. He was always business savvy. Um, you know, when he left New York, he started a, um, uh, a contracting firm. He was a GC. He was in construction. Um, and he developed a business. What's you know? a GC? Uh, general, general contractor, contractor. Okay. and so um, and, and so he was able to do that and start that business out of nothing, and it was a business that generated over a half a million dollars every year annually, mm. you know, and so it, it was something that, um, you know, he was always able to teach me in terms of the fundamentals of being able to manage money, mm. you know, and understanding that, and then what we didn't know. Um, we had to wherewithal, or he had to wherewithal to sit down with financial advisors and bankers, and we would have conversations, compare notes um, to all the other individuals in the industry that we would talk to, and so we would learn throughout that process. So, and this know, is before you became a pro. This is like when you were growing up, you were seeing these things. Yeah, I was seeing these things when mm-hmm. I was growing up from him. Right. In terms of you know how he handled his businesses, how he did his, you know his balance sheets, assets, liabilities, all of these different things. You know payroll, all of these different aspects of business. Um, and seeing the diligence that he approached it with. And then when I got to the NFL and signed my first NFL contract with the Dallas Cowboys, Mm -hmm. you know, we went through the process of 
educating ourselves on how to manage money, mm. you know, uh, uh, you know, to manage that kind of money, you know, on a personal level, not right. not necessarily for a business, but, um, you know, having to look at my personal finances as a business entity, right. having to look at myself as a business entity. Right. So I'm um, just trying to manage that. And, and so it's, it's a learning curve. You know, you can't know everything um, because it's a new industry, right? right. So it, it, like anything else, it's new. You can't be prepared for it, but you can educate yourself uh, by going through the process and by learning. And so that was something that I was active about. I didn't act like I knew things that I didn't know. Right. Um, and so I asked the questions. Um, and just continue to educate myself. So it's a process, and I'm still learning. You know, you know, 12 years from signing my first NFL contract, I'm still learning how to manage money. Right. Um, but, um, you know, you have to be willing to engage in the process of learning how to manage your own money because nobody's going to watch your money like you would. You know, right. even if you hire a financial advisor and they've got your best – best interest at heart and they're getting their one percent so it benefits them that your portfolio does well that's all great but nobody's gonna watch your money like you watch it so so make sure and, and that's the advice that i would give to young athletes or professional athletes just make sure you engage in the process and learning about how your finances work okay and how important tell us you know just some insight real quick uh about having an agent you know what I mean? What what that aspect of it's like, you know, for somebody who might be, you know, trying to get to the league or has been approached by agents, you know, what are some do's and don'ts of, of that type of situation right there? Well, I mean, have conversations with people, people that you respect, people that, that are knowledgeable about the industry, mm-hmm. your coaches, um, you know, agents and, and, and financial advisors. They know the landscape of professional sports industries, the ones that work with professional athletes. So, just talk to a bunch of different people and get as much information from qualified individuals as you can so you can make an informed decision. You can't make an informed decision without information. So, um, you know, that's a process in terms of trying to investigate that um, and just, just find those sources, um, people that you can learn from that have been in and around the industry. And, then, you know, ultimately you can find the person or the agent that's going to be the right fit for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not a one-size-fit-all. It just depends on the athlete and their personal needs. Um, and different agents do things um, better than other agents. You know, everybody has their strengths. Everybody has their weaknesses. So it's about making sure you find the right fit for you. And how important is an agent's track record, uh, you know, when deciding on an agent? How important would you it's say a, that is? It's important. I mean, a, an agent's clientele list is important because mm-hmm. their clientele is ultimately going to reflect who they are and what they represent, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, when you look at different people around the agent and you look at their client list, if who you are as a person is similar to who their clients are on that mm-hmm. client list, then chances are you're probably going to gravitate toward that agent's agent because there are there are commonalities, there are similar interests there, mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's probably going to be a good fit for you. Right. But if you're looking down that client list and those guys in no way, shape, or form represent anything about you, right. then you probably want to steer away from that agent. I mean, that's one of the telltale signs. You've had a, you had an 11-year career. Yeah. Did you keep the same agent throughout your career? No, no, no. Oh. So um, uh, I'll tell you this much. The agent that I signed with coming out of college, um, I ultimately ended up firing, and that was on the heels of um, a situation where I had to deal with a pre- pre-draft incident out in Arizona, which is where I was training at the time, mm-hmm. and it was their, um, their home base, that area, that, um, that Scottsdale Tempe area was where mm-hmm. that agency, that firm was based out of. And I had a pre-draft incident where I got into, uh, where I guess I was involved in an altercation. I wasn't actually actively participating in it, but I got roped into it best by being around it. And so, um, 
you know, I had a situation where there was a medical emergency. I had to go to the hospital. There was a lot of bad press, a lot of bad PR behind it. Um, and it wasn't necessarily managed in the right way in terms of the medical information being disseminated to the clubs in the fashion that it should have. And ultimately, I made a decision then that I would have to move on from that agent because mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily representing my best interests. Um, so I ended up signing with a bigger firm um, that had a, a higher profile, so to speak, Mm-hmm. Um, and they did a solid job for me as a rookie right. on a rookie contract. I mean, they did well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, that ended up being too big of a firm for me. Yeah. And so I ended up, <laughs> I ended up um, firing them because it was a conflict of interest because my contract was up at the same time as several of my teammates were. Right. And there would have been a conflict of interest in terms of negotiating the contracts. And so right. ultimately, I ended up leaving that agency and I signed with more of a boutique firm, a smaller firm. But at that right. point, I had already established my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was able to negotiate the rate that I was paying my agent, which was a more favorable rate for me. And, and it ended up being a solid relationship. Beautiful people, we are back. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin White Brown. We have Mr. Chris Canty in the building today. My man. Yes, sir. And uh, we just had the opportunity, man. That was that Ed Sheeran, uh, but uh, Shape of You. Uh, track man I love that joint but I just actually downloaded it today I had to find the house remix because you know how I feel about house music already y'all know. already know right man <laughs> you know you spend so much time abroad bro like yeah. you like you know what I mean that's just the way that's the, the vibes that you're looking for you know it's positive yeah well you know that I beat. went to school at UVA right and then I did a tour of duty down in Baltimore with the Ravens so you know they're big on house in that DMV mm-hmm. area so I get it. I get it. I, I, follow, I got a little affinity affinity for that house music myself. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> okay. I didn't even see. I didn't even know we had that connection. Yeah, a little All bit right, of house, a so little bit of go-go, you know, a little yeah. bit of that, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, speaking of, um, Al Reynolds said he know you from uh, UVA. Yeah, yeah. No, I know no, Al. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that's a small world. Yeah, it's super small. That's the homie, man. Oh, all right. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. Nah, man. he got me on at, uh, at SiriusXM as a contributor for Okay, it. absolutely. Yeah, so. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I know Al, some mutual friends, and, you know, we get together, we kick it every now and again. Cool dude. Yeah, yeah, definitely good brother. All right, man. Before we uh, before we got off off the before we took our break, you were talking about being signed to an agency in Arizona. Yeah. Um, you had this incident that took place in Arizona, and then you also had an injury. Yeah. Um, you, you tore your ACL, LCL, and PCL, and this is before you, you know what I mean, before the draft, bro. How did you? <laughs> How did you keep it was a, It was a wild six months. I, right. I'll tell you that much. It was a wild six months. Um, so I'm going to rewind and go back to my, my senior year at UVA, which was my fifth year. I was playing as a graduate student. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is the fourth game of the season. You know, I'm, I've got crazy numbers on the field. I mean, everybody's talking about I'm going to be an All-American, a top 10 draft pick, all of these different things. So all of these expectations were building and building, and I'm just – you know, I'm just looking forward to, you know, realizing, um, you know, realizing a dream come true, which is playing professional sports and being acknowledged as being one of the best collegiate athletes in, in, all, of the, in all the college football. Well, I mean, you so, did the, get the Ned McDonald Award. Let's not I, I act did, like, I you did, know I what I mean? Did. There were no accolades I, that came I, with that. Yeah, that was a, ni- that was a nice award. I mm-hmm. appreci- I, I, that was a good award. But that was for the season prior. prior. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, when you look at and you look back on that situation, I had an injury my fourth year, my fourth game of my senior year Um, and it was a tough injury you know it was a freak play Mm -hmm. Um, I tore my ACL my PCL and my LCL Mm -hmm. and I dislocated the entire knee capsule so if you can imagine I'm looking down and my foot and my knee are facing opposite directions 
Uh, that's that's never a good thing. That's never a good thing in sports. And so nah. in that moment, I'm thinking, why the hell didn't I go pro the year before, mm. you know, and, and come out as a junior? I already graduated from college. I would have graduated on time. It wouldn't have been an issue with that. Um, but it was this situation where I felt like I wasn't ready to take that next step into the National Football League. I wasn't prepared for something. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, you know, again, um, going through that trial that I went through as a senior, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to brush this off. I'm going to look at it as an opportunity. Right. You know, Willis McGay, he tore his ACL a couple of years prior, mm-hmm. but he was still a first-round draft pick. So I was like, if he can do it, then I can do it. So right. that was my mentality. I signed with my agent. I flew out to Arizona, basically moved my life out there mm-hmm. um, to train um, at a sports performance center um, mm-hmm. that had a good track record for producing um, great combine results. And so ultimately, I wanted to be able to participate at some level in the NFL combine um, and show teams that you know I was going to be on pace to be able to contribute my rookie year. Because right. with a horrific knee injury that I had, right. you know there were going to be some question marks around that. Mm-hmm. So going going to the situation with Arizona, I went there with other draft picks, other you know potential draft picks, mm-hmm. um, and we're all working out. We're doing that thing, but of course, when you have young guys in that type of position getting ready to getting ready for the league, right. you want to start living that life a little bit early, right, right, even right. though you're not drafted. So mm-hmm. you know we would go go out quite a bit as young men do, mm-hmm. um, and just this one particular night, there happened to be a fight that broke out in the yeah, club. Yeah. And every time I tell this story, people meet it with some skepticism because, oh, no, you must have been involved with the fight. But literally, I'm not involved in the fight. But the thing that I'm thinking when the fight breaks out is I have to get the hell out of here right. because I can't have this type of thing stick to me while I'm about to go through the biggest job interview of my life, right. which is talking to these teams mm-hmm. at the NFL Combine. You don't want to have any, any of these headlines, mm-hmm. you know, be attached to you. You don't want to be that guy, right? Mm-hmm. And there's always storylines or headlines with the NFL draft and players mm-hmm. that have checkered pass. You don't want to be one of those, one guys. Of those guys. So if a fight breaks out in a nightclub and a draft hopeful is in that club, you know, teams are going to gonna gonna think about that. that. They're going to associate right. that, and they're going to ask themselves, am I or is this the type of guy that we want representing our franchise? Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially considering where I was go- where I was projected Project to be draft to after, mm-hmm. you know, first or second round pick, you know. So I was so, trying to get out of the club, mm-hmm. get hit in the face with a glass bottle. Right. One of my boys rips my shirt off, puts it over my face, and they call an ambulance. They rush me off to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly what had happened, but right. I knew it was bad. Right. And all I kept thinking was, I don't even want to go to the hospital. Just take me home, and I'll sleep it off, and we'll, we'll deal with it tomorrow. Yeah, not realizing nah. everything yeah. that had happened. You know, not realizing that my eyeball was sliced open. I had an open globe at 4 o'clock in the morning in an emergency room. Mm. So this is, I mean, this is terrifying to realize. I mean, not only did I have the knee injury, the dislocated knee, right, right, right. the torn three ligaments, I'm trying to rehab from that. Right. Now I've got multiple lacerations, and I've got an open globe situation with my eyes. So now it's not only a matter of are you going to be able to be the same athlete that you were because of the knee. It's now you are you going to be able to, say, be able to be the same athlete because can you see? You know, that's, right. that's the, that's, so I've got both of these issues that I'm dealing with. And these issues are bigger than just on the field. Yeah, You're talking exactly. about being this able to is, walk this, and being this, able to this, see. This, I mean, like, this is you know, real life. You know yeah, this I mean? is real life. This is real life. So I'm going through this, this whole process, and it's just like, man, how – how am I going to get through this? You know, how right. am I going to get through this? And so that was a really tough time for me. How did you uh, stay motivated in that time, Chris? How, like, Brothers, my, my faith in God. It was, it was at that moment, and I always tell people that God 
ultimately reveals himself to everybody right um through certain trials through certain situations and that was mine for me that was my damascus road experience right mm -hmm. that was where my relationship with like when i actually had the real personal relationship with god where it became intimate where i realized that no matter what i was going through he understood you know mom and daddy don't understand Nobody in my family have been in this situation. Right. My best friends can't understand. College teammates can't understand, but God can understand. And somehow, some way, through that relationship, he was able to, you know, comfort me and let me know that everything was going to be all right. And from that, I said, well, if everything's going to be all right, then there's still an opportunity to fulfill the promise, to fulfill the potential that I had with my athletic career. Right. The dream. And I remember praying to God after that initial surgery on my eye, Lord, if you just give me an opportunity, I'm going to make the most of it. And, you know, to, to look back at it now in the 2005 draft, to be a fourth-round draft pick was a damn miracle. Mm -hmm. It was nothing short of. I mean, a player like that with that kind of medical, those kind of medical red flags wouldn't be drafted in today's NFL. It's just too risky right. because it's so much, it's, it's big, it's the, the business is so much bigger than it was back then. So, but, but looking at that entire situation, it was just like, okay, I've got to attack this with the same mentality, I've got right. to get after it. I've got to work hard. I've got to take advantage of every opportunity. It was almost like I approached it as an undrafted free agent right. because I knew that, you know, I've got to make sure that I show people that I can still play this game and I can play at a high level. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I ended up playing in all 16 regular season games and ended up starting at the end of my rookie season. Dude, you went from torn ACL, yep. uh, you know, ACL, LCL, PCL. Yep. Then you had the injury to your eye. Yep. Going from first round to, I mean, prospected at first round to fourth in 11 years in the league. Yeah. How does one maintain a successful long jet, long career in the NFL? Because, I mean, what's the average? Three to four years? Is yeah, that, three to four years is the average. Is the uh, average. You did 11 starting out with these injuries, man. How? It's just a lot of hard work, you know, and, um, you know, honoring the sacrifices that I had made before, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about you know, building a house, it's all about the foundation, right? Right. So I laid the foundation in high school when I started playing football because I worked so hard mm -hmm. to give myself an opportunity to play in college. Mm -hmm. Well, if I'm going to be a college football player and I want to honor, honor the commitments that I had already made, well, I've got to work even harder. I've got to continue to work hard, right? Because mm -hmm. if I don't work hard, then what the hell did I work hard in high school for? Right. So I just kept building on that. Well, if I worked hard in college and I worked hard in high school to give myself this opportunity, mm -hmm. Why wouldn't I work even harder to take full advantage of being presented the opportunity to be in the National Football League? It, just doesn't, it doesn't even make sense, right? If, if you look at it through that yeah. lens, it doesn't even make sense. Not to. Right. Not to. It doesn't make sense not to. What is, now, I've talked to you before. We've had some conversations. You said that you worked hard to the point to where you, you threw up. Yeah. Then you kept working, threw yeah. up again, and then yeah. said you worked again. You kept working after yeah. that. And this is just one day. Yeah. What does working hard in the NFL look like? Like, what is a day in the life of an NFL player? I'm getting up in the morning. Like, what does that look like? Well, um, you got to start early. You got to start early? early. Six o'clock in the morning. Okay. That would be the latest that I would get up um, during the regular season um, because I always wanted to get into the office and get my weights, take mm -hmm. care of my body. And as you become an older player in the National Football League, it takes more time right. because your body doesn't recover um, as quickly as it does when you're, when you're younger, right? Yeah. You know, your muscles, your fatigue, you know, being able to work out all of those, you know, those, those soft tissue 
ailments that you're dealing with, all of those things, you have to have more time, especially when you get older. So that means more time in the cold tub. That means more time um, getting active release therapy. That means, you know, all of those different things. Um, and so you just got to take care of your body because your body is your business. Ultimately, eating better um, became a priority for right. me. And those are things that I learned from the pros when I was a rookie, um, looking at some of the guys that had had longevity in the business, right? Mm. When you're when you're a young guy, you're not seeking out the counsel of you know second and third and fourth year players. You're looking at the guys that have been around eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years in some cases. Guys that have had Hall of Fame careers. I remember when I got to Dallas. You know, we had Keyshawn Johnson in the locker room. We had Larry Allen in the locker room. You know, we had Greg Ellis in the locker room. These are all players that I can learn from. Dat Wynn, you know, all, you know, guys that have had long, long careers. Flozell Adams. Um, and so that's ultimately um, what I try to do is just take information from those guys and so I could add it to um, trying to do the, what's in the best interest of my pro career. And so that meant getting up early, that meant working out, that meant staying late, watching film, learning how to watch film, all of the different nuances, learning how to practice, um, learning how to take care of my body even when I'm away from the building. You know, <laughs> So all of these things come into play. And so ultimately um, it was all done just to give myself an opportunity to capitalize on my athletic ability. Right. Wow. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> I mean, I know I said a lot. We're moving, nah, we're, moving nah. we're moving, we're moving pretty fast. But nah, nah, I guess I say all of those things to say this, right? You know, the hard work um, was to take advantage of the opportunity. But once you, once you start down that road, yeah. you know, you have to. To me, you have to commit to it. Mm-hmm. And, and once you do that, you want to make sure that you honor all the work that you've done before. You know, mm-hmm. because it does. It's not enough just to work hard and then just coach. You can't do that and maintain any standard of excellence. Right. So. Um, you know, in order to be able to do that, in order to be able to achieve, you have to continue to work hard. And so your motivation becomes, let me make sure that I honor all of the hard work that I've done before. And you just continue to build on that and you build on that. And ultimately you look up and you have a career and you're doing something that you love to do. Right. So now post-professional football career, now you are a, you have a career in broadcast journalism. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm an on-air talent for ESPN Radio 98.7 here in New York. Han Humpty. Uh, on the Han Humpty and Canty Show. And Canty Show. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually added You're right. my name to You're it right. in November. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So uh-huh. I'm, on, I'm, on the, I'm on the show. I'm on the marquee now, right? Uh-huh. Um, you know, so um, it's on from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. every day. Mm-hmm. And then um, the best of Han Humpty and Canty is aired on the MSG network on television from 7 to 9 in the evenings. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's a tremendous opportunity. Um, I love talking about sports. If I can't right. play sports anymore, um, then I'm going to talk about sports. And, and that was something that I knew I wanted to do even when I was playing professional football. I realized that I enjoy being around sports, being around competition, so the opportunity to be able to talk about it yeah. um, and being able to entertain a listenership or the viewership uh, was something that I wanted to do, so I planned accordingly. Right. Um, That's what I, I want to ask you about, but I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. But I know sometimes some athletes get tapped to be on-air personalities, yeah. uh, broad, broadcasters, and some don't. Yeah. What are some of your secrets to me? I mean, how did you actually make it into uh, being – a broadcaster. Well, I will tell you this. It helps to have a Hall of Fame career. Now, I, I love the career that I had, but I didn't have a Hall of Fame career. I, I, I enjoyed a, 
a good level of success, but when you have a Hall of Fame career, people are knocking down your door to be able to do it. If you don't have a Hall of Fame career, you got to go the route that I did, which is um, just you know engaging people, taking advantage of opportunities to interview off the field, taking advantage of opportunities to go in studio with people um, and do and do interviews and talk about sports, um, just to be able to cast a wide net, to be able to to get to know people, because ultimately you have to make your friends before you need them, and so right. when you have an opportunity. To, to work with people. So people want to get to know professional athletes while they're playing, not when they're done playing. Right. So you have to take advantage of all those opportunities to walk through those doors. And so that's something that I, that I, that I did, and I took advantage of that situation. And ultimately, uh, I just kept showing up to the studio, and they gave me a job over at 98.7. Uh, I'd, work, I'd work with those guys for a couple of years. Um, even when I was playing with the Baltimore Ravens, I would train here in New York uh, and go into the studio after I got done training in the mornings mm-hmm. and do the show with those guys. At the time, it was from, one, from 12 to 3. And um, we just established that type of chemistry, that rapport, and they thought that I would be a good addition to the show, and ultimately they gave me a job this past November. Oh, wow, man. Congratulations again. I saw you, you know what I mean, uh, make that transition and go full time. So I yeah. definitely saw the work ethic and the commitment that you had to it. A lot of it is just showing up, man. A lot mm. of life is just showing up. Just show yeah. up. Just be present on time. All of those. Th- it's the little things that are critical to success, man. If you right. show up, I mean, that, that takes care of most of it, right? Just right. be show up with the right attitude, being willing to work, and the rest of it will take care of itself. Hmm. I call it show up and show out. There you go. You know, when you get there, when you get the opportunity, you got to be prepared, man. And you got to be ready to go. Absolutely. You know, you, you've done all your preparation before you even walk in the door. Absolutely. Yeah. So something else that I think is really dope, man, that is significant in, in your journey and your contribution to the world is that you have the Chris Canty Foundation. Yeah. Um, and you guys have a have a Reading Buddies program. Yep. Did I get that right? Reading Buddies, you're absolutely right. right. And you guys do uh, great work with uh, schools in the Bronx. I know you have Mott Haven. There's another yeah. one. There's another one in the Soundview section, PS69, Journey Prep. Yeah. Um, both of those are elementary schools. And then we have our high school, which is a charter school in Murray Hill, mm-hmm. um, the Murray Hill Academy. So very, very proud of the work that the volunteers from the Chris Candy Foundation do mm-hmm. um, with the volunteer um, reading program with reading buddies going into the schools um, for a certain number of hours each month um, to engage our kids and, and read with them with um, materials and, and re- reading materials that support the curriculums for those, those specific schools um, to um, the work that we do in getting the kids engaged into our sports camps. Um, physical fitness is a big deal for us. Right. So we want to make sure that we, we try to emphasize the importance of healthy lifestyles to our young people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing I'm probably most proud of with the Chris Candy Foundation is the fact that we get kids engaged in their communities. So through the programs and initiatives that we organize with our community partners, we get kids to participate in community service, right? So we, we want them to understand the importance of giving back at an early age because that's when I learned to give back. And so um, we try to make sure that we establish the positive relationship between that child and that given community, um, and ultimately it benefits everyone. So I'm really proud of the work that we do. Um, <laughs> I'm not great at talking about myself or the foundation, um, so I'm not the, the best spokesperson for Man, it, but, but I got to tell you this. 
I'm passionate about it. You know, I love I love working with kids, Mm -hmm. and I want to provide them. Uh, the opportunity where they can go out and they can chase their dreams, right? I want to equip them with the tools that they need in order to be successful. And create their life. Absolutely. <laughs> now, nah, most definitely. So you guys have your big fundraiser coming up uh, next Monday, right? The, yeah, uh, we have the uh, Champions Golf Classic. Okay. This is the fifth year that we've hosted it. Um, this will f- be the fourth year that we've had it at Alpine Country Club, um, which is a great track in Demarest, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, I just... You know, I ask the people that I that I know from in and around the area in the industry, athletes, current and former, to come and help me out. Um, it's a charity golf outing. It's the it's the only fundraiser that we do in the tri-state area. It supports all of the programs that we do throughout the throughout the course of the year, and so. Um, it's going to be a great event. We're actually going to do the Han Humpty and Canty show out there at Alpine oh, yeah. Country Club. We'll be oh, live yeah. from 10 to 1 p.m. Um, and MSG Cruise will be out there. So the best of that evening will be from Alpine Country Club. So we're really excited about the event. Um, and people can find out more information about that event in the Chris Candy Foundation and the work that we do at chriscannyfoundation.org. And if you can't show up, ladies and gentlemen, beautiful people, you can donate. There's a donate button there on the website, so you can make sure that you do that. So, Chris, man, uh, one of the last questions i got to ask you, give us three things that you would tell someone who is looking to create their best life. Give us three tips from Chris Canty. Okay, you got to be a self-starter. Okay. you got to be a self-starter. you got to be able to motivate, motivate yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't rely on external motivation because that's not always going to be consistent Mm -hmm. um and so you got to make sure that you you're able to motivate yourself um focus on the positives all right uh you know you can't control what happens to you all the time but you can control how you react to it and so i think you've got to focus on having the right mentality um being able to have the right mental fortitude to get through uh whatever trials whatever adversity life brings your way um and then just three have a sense of purpose understand exactly what it is that you want to do, what you love to do, and and go and seek that path because ultimately that's where you're going to find your fulfillment. Okay. Well, Chris, how can we keep up with you and stay abreast of what's going on with you as a broadcaster as well as uh, the Chris Canty Foundation? Well, it's a one-stop shop. Go to chriscantyfoundation.org. We actually have the link for our show every single day on the website. It's Mm -hmm. on the homepage so people can hear the show. Um, the podcast of the show daily, um, and then also through social media. Right. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, uh, Chris Candy 99 so people can shout me out there as well. Okay, and what's the secret behind your number, 99? I just got to ask real quick. Uh, well, you know, when I got to Dallas, they gave me number 74, and I didn't really dig that. So, okay. uh, you know, 99 became available yeah. because when they give somebody a job, somebody's losing a job. And, right, right. You know. It's a bad look for number 99 in Dallas back in 2005, but, you know, it gave me an opportunity. Okay. And I just stuck with that number. All right. Cool, cool. Well, beautiful people, we're going to cut to a quick musical break, and then we're going to come back with a recap of all of these jewels that Chris Canty has dropped on us. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we just had the opportunity to have Chris Canty, uh, Super Bowl champion uh, with the New York Giants here in the studio, man, and he dropped a lot of game on us, and... You know, I got some really good uh, takeaways from him. And so, of course, as usual, we got to do the recap of the show. So let's just jump right in it. Uh, Number one, he said that, you know, he never wanted to uh, just put, you know, his toes into something he wanted to fully commit. And so that's what he did. And that's one of the things that has actually taken him super far uh, in life. He also said that his father showed him how to be a man and what an example of a man should be. So he credits a lot of his success to uh, his dad's uh, being his role model. Uh, He also said that he learned about how to handle his finances as a professional athlete from his father. 
and also from asking questions because he realized that he didn't know it all. So he said that, you know, at any time, if you don't know enough about your finances, if you don't know enough about any subject to make sure that you do so by asking questions and, you know, being vulnerable and saying, you know what, I don't know. And he said that you can't make an informed decision without information. I just thought that that was that was profound. And so that's definitely going to make it to one of our Wednesday uh, wisdom quotes. And if, as you know, you know, follow us at CYO series. Um, also, he said that people want to know professional players um, before they are retired. If you're looking for any type of jobs or opportunities. And he said for those who are not professional players that, you know, always seek friendship before you need the friend. And I think that that's really important. That's the genuineness and the uh, the transparency that's very important in order to to be someone who has good people around you all the time. And he said one of the biggest things that he did in order to remain successful was actually to keep, uh, protect his energy by keeping positive people around him. Uh, he also said that, you know, his three things, his three keys to creating your best life are number one, be a self-starter. Number two, uh, focus on the positives, not the negatives. And number three, uh, have a sense of purpose. And then when we got off air, he blessed us with this last jewel, man. And I was, I was feeling that a lot because, uh, you know, I believe in being yourself, man. And, you know, people gonna, some people going to love you. Most people going to love you. Some people going to hate you. And some people just going to tolerate you. Uh, and at the same time, you always want to go where you're uh, celebrated instead of tolerated. So you can keep those people out the loop and not your circle, too. But he said, and I quote, I'd rather be known as flawed than a fraud. So beautiful people. We're going to stay authentic. We're going to create our lives, and we're going to create our lives according to what our definition of success is. And it's been a, a plum pleasing pleasure to be here with y'all, Chris, to share uh, this opportunity with you. And so uh, until next Sunday. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. On skip your liver. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life.